Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and the bees, money. That's what the latest Marsh Commercial Pricing Index is all about. The ICA believe that overregulation will also push up premiums. Of course, they'd say that, it just makes more sense. And insurers breathed a collective sigh of relief that was more significant than Cyclone Ilsa. But can we expect some change in the weather? I think they should keep some money inside their phone cover for emergencies. You know, just in case. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Editor John Deeks, and Chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, Terry. Good morning. This episode is just one big build-up to my joke about how long you've been working in the industry. <laughs> I'm not happy about that, but you just go right ahead. <laughs> well, good morning, John. Morning. I can't even take the credit for this joke. You made me ask the question. Oh, it wasn't It wasn't intended as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's intended as a joke. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. I'd say such gutter comedy is beneath you, but you're a Collingwood fan. <laughs> Nothing better than a Collingwood fan. <laughs> Right now. Well, now I've undermined your reputation with our listeners, Wendy. The latest Marsh commercial pricing index is out and premiums appear to be on the march again. What can we learn from this report? Well, pricing in the first quarter went up 7% in the Pacific region, which is dominated by Australia, and that compared with a 5% increase in the December quarter. And that was really driven by increases in catastrophe-exposed property. But the first quarter is the quietest in Australia for renewals, and we're actually seeing some more positive signs in a way. So Mars says that we're into the second quarter renewals now, and things, you know, they're not turning out to be as uh, bad as might have been feared after the um, uh, January uh, reinsurance outcomes. The report also shows DNO prices continue to, to decline, and the pace of uh, cyber increases is slowing. So um, Marsh's John Donnelly suggests that overall 7% Pacific increase doesn't point to a new ongoing acceleration in pricing. We are still in a, a moderating trend. But but having said that, the, the report shows that globally um, pricing has gone up for uh, 22 consecutive quarters, you know, even if the, the, those increases are moderating. 22 consecutive quarters. Is it normal for a hard market to go on this long, Terry? I can't remember a hard market that went on so long we started talking about it as the new normal. We we always used to have some kind of certainty the cycle would turn and insurers would loosen their terms and premiums would fall as they tried to recruit new customers. I, I think Rob Kelly said a few years ago the cycle is dead. <laughs> Maybe he's right. That There's really no end in sight yet to the world's economic struggles and in the commercial space insurers have become much more complex in the, the products they want to be involved in and the channels they sell them through. So we're we're in a situation really that is is quite different. And it may be that we aren't going to return to the the, the good old days of of being at the bottom of the cycle. Um insurers directors have become more fixated as in, on profit. And I guess that's what they're there for. Costs are rising and so is the incident of major catastrophes. So in this, you know, hard market, is it really normal? Yes. Um, where we are right now might become the new normal as we bolster up for what Donald Trump would call the letter that must not be mentioned, the CC word, climate change. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, that was a bad joke. That's my assessment anyway, straight off the top of my head. Is that your assessment of your joke or assessment of uh, of the long, hard market? Straight off the top of my head, Andrew, and I was half expecting you to say I was speaking through my hat, but there you go. <laughs> Well, one thing that can push up premiums is overregulation, and the Insurance Council has some things to say about that recently, didn't it, Wendy? Well, it's put in a submission to a parliamentary economic committee inquiry that's looking at economic dynamism, competition and business formation. So it, um, ICA has warned that regulatory complexity increases costs, hinders innovation, ends up raising premiums, and that has implications for affordability. So it's just asking for things to be simplified, for some of the overlap to be removed, and it's, and it's been pushing for a while for the, it to be just a clearer roadmap and better coordination around what's coming up. And there's a body that uh, does that in the UK, and, and ICA would like something uh, similar here. Um, and this, of course, follows just that torrent of new regulation that's been put in place since the Hain Royal Commission. This is something we're increasingly hearing across the industry, isn't it, John? Yeah, it is. We, we, we're getting a pretty consistent message, I'd say, um, particularly since the Hain Royal Commission and all the reforms that came in after that. Whether you talk to NEBA, the ICA, brokers or insurers, the message is broadly the same, which is while each individual reform may be well-intentioned, uh, nobody's really considered the overall combined impact of all these different changes. And companies are spending so much time these days and resources on compliance that it's getting harder and harder to get the actual job done. Uh, and it's, it, it is expensive too. I think the general view is that there needs to be much more consideration of the impact on industry and crucially more consultation as well. Now, John, our readers and listeners love an AFCA ruling, and it's about time we rounded up on some of the more interesting determinations recently. Yes, that's right. We've we've had some good ones. Now, it's well known that travel insurers will often exclude a claim if consumption of alcohol is involved and, and, and was ultimately the cause of the claim. But you kind of hope that they'll be reasonable about this because obviously people go on holiday, they like to have a drink. We had a, ca a case that we reported, which I think was fair enough to decline. Two complainants were in Thailand. They went out drinking and the man started foaming at the mouth and had to be taken to hospital and have some quite serious treatment. Now, these people, they claimed they had three beers and two tequilas, but uh, the blood tests sort of suggested otherwise, and it might have been sort of getting towards 20 tequilas rather than two. But um, yeah, so the insurer declined the claim. Uh, the complainants came back saying, oh, the drink must have been spiked, but there was no evidence to prove this. So another one we had was uh, looking at the issue of embargoes around natural catastrophes when a policy is first taken out. So often when you take out a policy, the insurer will say, you know, if you had a flood claim within the first 72 hours, then we won't pay it. And that's pretty obvious why that's there. It's to stop people panicking and taking out insurance as the sort of storm is coming over the horizon. We had an AFCA ruling where a claim was denied on this basis. This couple had a caravan which was badly damaged and the insurer said, no, the, the flood happened during that embargo period. But actually the complainants took a lot of photographs and they had eyewitness accounts and they were able to prove that actually the damage was done just after the 72 hours. So they are going to get their claim paid. And finally, we had a good one in the broker last week, which was a broker-on-broker -broker dispute about professional indemnity cover. Now, what happened here was 
uh, the the broker was looking for his PI cover to be renewed and the insurer didn't want to do it. And uh, the, the broker who was sorting it out sent an email to say that. But the broker looking for the cover said he never got that email. Uh, now, as often happens in these cases, AFCA says, uh, well, if they sent the email to the last known address, then that's fair enough. It's not their fault if you didn't get it. Turns out this guy changed his email address and hadn't let his broker know. So again, that's a good, interesting read. All these stories are on our website and we report on Africa rulings regularly. So keep an eye out. Well, Cyclone Ilsa didn't leave too much behind in terms of damage, Wendy, fortunately. But the experts are still analysing what might have happened. Well, that's right, because uh, it also made landfall as a category a category five strength. But given its path, it destroyed the Pardue Road house, but didn't cause all of other major damage. And overall losses are, are seen as pretty low from in dollar terms. So Risk Frontiers has been looking at what the impacts could have been had it just taken a slightly different track. And it looked at a number of potential paths. And in one of those, which would have had a greater impact on Port Headland, and which was, you know, an outlier compared to the others it looked at. But in that case, it could have caused um, billions of dollars in damage. And, you know, they're just making the point that these damage impacts uh, from cyclones can, you know, really vary exponentially depending on the actual eventual path that they take. Well, the cyclone season is hopefully over now. We could do the quiet period between now and the reinsurance renewals being signed off, couldn't we, Terry? <laughs> I don't think a relatively quiet cyclone season is going to take the reinsurer's eyes off the ball. Uh, the thing about reinsurers is the global way they look at risk and in that Australia falls into a basket, very large basket, labelled nice to have you because it'll never cost as much as Japan, Europe or the US and hopefully hopefully, you'll, you'll have your disasters at different times. Our individual risk profile for Australia has risen as climate change progresses and the reinsurers are among the most scientific in the way they assess risk. So we should never forget that Australia needs the security of reinsurance more than most. And don't expect reinsurance rates to fall any time ever or soon. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So I, I think that the, the reinsurers really look past so many of the, the single incidents to look at the overall risk profile. Well, finally, John, we reported on a Suncorp employee who's been with the firm for 50 years. That's quite a stretch. Yes, that's right. So Suncorp have uh, uh, have been celebrating the achievements of their uh, technology and transformation principal business analyst, Tony Phillips, uh, who would have started back in 1973 with what was then GIO. So there's a story on our website where he, he looks back at, at his uh, career history and yeah, things were pretty different back then. Apparently, there were no computer screens. Changing details on a policy involved filling out various pieces of paper and and and, and typists. He says that uh, to change a person's postal address on a policy would would take at least four days. And eventually, by 1979, they had one computer screen for a team of 12 people. So when we're complaining about systems these days, perhaps we ought to sort of thank our lucky stars that it's not still like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty impressive achievement, I guess, to be with one company for all that time. So um, yeah, an interesting read. Such a great opportunity. Terry, I think um, his dad was, um, <laughs> you were his boss, weren't they? <laughs> I really hate this question and I blame John for this. <laughs> What's the longest time you've been in the same job, Terry? 
Look, okay, I had to work this out. I've been ignoring this question for years. Okay, I started work when I was 17, so I have been working for, are you ready for this? 56 years. So stick that one, Tony. I've got much more experience than you've got. Um, I joined the Insurance Council in 91 and set my own company up in 77. So insurance news and, and its antecedents, I guess, 26 years. Wow. Outside insurance, thir 13 years working for BHP in a wide variety of places. And also, of course, about 15 years of being acting, <laughs> playing at journalism. So, yes, it's been quite long. And I'm very embarrassed. <laughs> well, on that note, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google and all your favourite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.